All right, let's continue in our study in Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, I, 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 hope, I hope that you have enjoyed last week's message or enjoyed last week's message and, and today's as well. And I was thinking about just about three messages in it, but I couldn't get, I was going oh, to jump over these two verses today and, and, and I wrote about half a sermon on verses four to nine and I had to go back to two and three. I couldn't, I couldn't make myself leave two and three. So it's a kind of continuation from last week. So I hope you remember what we talk about, talked about last week. The series entitled, A Believer's Behavior. Last week we talked about in relation to others. And we want to continue that today. Uh, a Believer's Behavior in Relation to Others. So I just called it part number 2, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 2 and 3. And we'll get to that in just a moment. <clears throat> but this will probably not surprise you, but did you know that more than half of the homes in the United States of America has three or more televisions? Does that surprise you? And other than the den, this particular article said that TVs may be located in kitchens, utility rooms, laundry rooms, bedrooms, and even bathrooms. And the only difference in those TVs compared to the one in the den, is the size of the screen, the, the screen size. I, I, began to thought, I began to think about that, and, and as I thought about it, I began to realize, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure this out, but the small screens don't give the, pig, the, the big picture. And, we want, and when we want to see the full picture in all the details, what must we do? We must go into the room, the den, wherever it may be, with the 54 or 60 or 70-inch screen TVs. And this caused me to think about last week's message. That's why I couldn't get around it. A believer's behavior in relation to others. And it occurred to me that one of the reasons many Christians today don't see things as they ought is because they're looking at the wrong screen. And why might that be, church? Because we, let's be honest, we're tied up with our own agendas, our own activities. And therefore, because of that, that may cause brotherly love not to continue. We learned last week, let brotherly love continue, did we not? You see, as I thought about all of that over the course of the last few days, I couldn't help but think that God gives us the big picture, does He not? He gives us the big, and He wants us to see exactly like He sees. He wants us to always let brotherly love continue. Well, we answered the question last week, why is brotherly love important? So today, let's look at another question. How is that brotherly love to continue? How does it continue? Hebrews chapter 13, and I'm going to pull a quick one on you. I'm not reading from the New King James today. I'm reading from the NLT, New Living Translation. It reads really, really nicely. And this is what it says, verse 2 of Hebrews 13. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this 
have entertained angels without realizing it. Verse 3. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. The word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today. And now as we look at these two verses of Scripture, I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts as we continue along the lines of letting brotherly love continue. Lord, use this message how you see fit. We pray in your name. Amen. Verse number two, do not forget to entertain strangers. I looked at that word stranger. Now, what is a stranger? And I'll give you a definition in just a minute. But first of all, strangers can be unbelievers, and strangers can also be believers. However, it's your and my first responsibility as a believer is to those who are of the house of God, or to those who are Christians. That's our first responsibility. But our responsibility doesn't stop there. Galatians 6.10, Paul tells us, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to some, just to the ones we like. No, Scripture says, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, flip back with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount here. And these are some very key verses here we need to, we need to grasp today. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 43. 43, and this is what Jesus says. You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Then down, jump down to verse 46. And we'll see here that even the most worldly person loves those who loves them. Look at verse 46. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now I know what you're thinking. Preacher, what about being taken? What about being taken advantage of from these strangers? Well, the way I read Scripture that I just read and some other passages, that's no excuse for we as believers for us not to show a Christ-like attitude and help those in need. So who is a stranger? Who is a stranger? By, nef- by definition, a stranger is simply this. Someone we do not know personally. Someone we do not know personally. And yes, I'll agree, it's very easy to be deceived when it comes to helping a stranger. Has this not ever happened to you? Someone come up to you and ask for money, and you say, what do you need it for? And they say, I need something to eat. 
Now, we don't know what they're going to spend that money for, really, do we? We're hoping that they're telling us the truth, but they may spend it on cigarettes or alcohol or drugs or whatever else it may be. And yes, we must be careful. We must use common sense on deciding how to best help. But we must keep this in mind. We're to realize our primary concern must be to help and not avoid being taken advantage of. So once our, the money leaves our hands into the hands of another person, then guess what? We have done what we feel like God has asked us to do. Now what they do with it is another story. Someone has said, and I quote, If we help in good faith, God will honor our effort. Think with me, if you will, for just a moment, when these words were written. Hospitality back in these days included putting a guest up overnight or possibly several nights of someone passing through. Inns back then, places to stay, were hard to come by. And if you did find one in which to stay, uh, it was more than likely less than desirable to stay in. Not to mention a stranger passing through probably didn't have enough money to afford to stay there. So hospitality to strangers and foreigners in this era, in this particular time, was a great virtue. And as I read that, as I looked at some background uh, on that, I said to myself, that ought to speak volumes to us as believers. That in the 21st century, we're to be no less hospitable than those people back in this day. Now look at the last part of verse number 2 of our text. Last part of verse number 2. It says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing this. A verse came to my mind that goes right along with this. Do all to the glory of God. Whether it's something big, whether it's something good, we must demonstrate brotherly love for the sake of those who we help. And not only that, for God's glory, to bring Him glory. Because you see, I was also thinking about this. We will never know this side of heaven what ripple effect our helpfulness may be in someone's life. Do you agree with that? One little small act of helpfulness in someone's life could go miles and miles. Back to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Look there with me and find verse 35. Jesus speaking here. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these, right, then these righteous ones will, repay, will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing. 
When do we ever see you sick or in prison or visit you? Listen to what Jesus said in verse 40. And the king will say, I tell the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. What do we hear in verse number 3? What is it that's crying out to us in verse number 3? Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. And as I read that, a word kept cropping up in my brain, and it was that of sympathy. Sympathy. What kind of sympathy do we have towards people? I see the kind of love in that verse that that sustains. Don't we find it easier to help others when we at one time needed help? Isn't it easier to appreciate loneliness when we've been lonely? Here's the point. We as Christians should do our very best to identify with those in need, to try and put ourselves in their place. And in doing that, you know what's going to kick in? The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Your troubles, my very own troubles, should make us more sensitive, should make us more hospitable, should make us more loving, not less, but more. And here's how we show that sympathy. Fill in these blanks, if you will, on your handout. Number one, by simply being there. By simply being there. Do you know someone who is, who is in need? Do you know someone who is in trouble? Do I? Absolutely. Then guess what? Be there. Just be there. Proverbs 17 and 17 says this. A friend loves, sometimes, most of the time, no, a friend loves at all times. Simply be there. Secondly, by giving direct help. Direct help. Let me back up to that first one. I, I, I need to say this to us. It just came to my mind. Sometimes we can be there for someone just to be there, and we don't have to say a word. We can just be there. We can just be there with a listening ear. Sometimes that's the best encouragement. Sometimes that's the best strength. Back to number two, by giving direct help. Paul was most grateful to the Philippians there in Philippi, in the book of Philippians. And notice what they did for Paul. They gave to Paul financially. Philippians 4.14 Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians... You Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want to get from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. And then thirdly, by praying. By praying. 
Paul's ministry is once again to us an example. Colossians, just a few pages over from where you were in Philippians. Colossians chapter 4, verse 18. And this is what it says. Remember, Paul says, remember my chains. Remember my imprisonment. And as I read that, I couldn't help but, but hear, pray, pray, and pray some more. Is that not an appeal from Paul for prayer? The Colossians could not at that time physically visit Paul, but they could certainly pray. What a wonderful blessing. What a wonderful boost for Paul and, and his ministry to continue. And I've said this before, and I, 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 I need to say it again. There are folks in this church, there are folks in this church, that I, I appreciate every single one of you. But there are some, some in this church that a week does not go by that my phone does not ring. Preacher, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Hope you're having a good day. I know you got a, a, a lot on your plate sometimes. You don't necessarily have to come visit me because there are other people that, that I know needs a visit worse than me. But just know, preacher, that I'm praying for you. Man, what an encouragement. What an encouragement. And I promise there's some even sitting in this congregation today that I can count on that every single week. And guess what? I count on it. I count on it. I, I, I wait on it. And when I see that name appear, I, I know what it's going to be. Some words of encouragement. Paul said in Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens. And when we do that, guess what happens? We fulfill the law of Christ. And let me conclude this way, church. Are we, get this, are we individually and as the Midway Church family following the example of Christ Jesus? And as I said last Sunday, and I, I need to remind us again, that Jesus did not come to this earth to be ministered to, but he came to minister. So here's the question for me and you as well. What are we doing? May we be challenged daily to let brotherly love continue, to show hospitality. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for these two beautiful verses as you have reminded us once again, O oh God, that we are to let brotherly love continue, not only among uh, the household of faith, which is our primary responsibility, but God, those outside uh, these four walls, those outside of our community, those outside the family of God. Lord, our world is yearning for love. May we as Christians reach out and show hospitality, show love, to those who don't have a clue as to what love is all about. May we exemplify love in our very own lives and may others see it as we come in contact with people every day. We pray in your name. Amen.